have a word from the Lord I want to share with you today as I earnestly sought the Lord this week for what He would have me to deliver. I believe sincerely that the Lord spoke to me so that I could speak to you. And through that, He's going to speak to you today. I believe that whether you're watching by live stream or seated here in this house. I'm just going to read one verse of Scripture. If you'll stand with me all over the room. If you've got your Bibles, it's on the screen for you. But if you've got your Bibles, it's Psalms chapter 77, verse 14. You are the God who performs miracles. Does anybody believe that this morning? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. I want to preach to you this morning for a few moments a message I have simply just titled, Miracles. If you will, stretch your hands toward heaven. Pray with me and for me today. Father, we thank you once again for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for your presence. I feel in the still, small voice, in the quietness sometimes of your presence. So, God, today I pray, Lord, that you would anoint every ear in this house to hear and every heart to receive your word. Remove every distraction for the next few moments. God, that would take away from what you would say to your people. And Lord, move me out of the way. Decrease me until I'm nothing. I feel like Jeremiah sometimes. I'm not even worthy, the prophet said, to speak your name. But God, I'm thankful this morning that it's not based on my worthiness. It's not based on our worthiness. But God, I'm thankful it wasn't based on Jeremiah's worthiness, but it's based on your worthiness. So God, I will speak and declare your name today. I will speak and declare that you are the God of miracles and that no matter what need may be represented seated in this house or watching online today that there is nothing that you are not able to do so God speak that word today into every heart and every life let us leave differently than we came because we have been in your presence but we've also been changed by your word we give you the glory the honor and the praise in Jesus name and everybody said Amen. Would you give the Lord one more big hand clap of praise for me this morning? There's a story told of a drought that continued for what seemed like an eternity. There was a small community of farmers who were in quite a quandary, if you will, as to what to do. Because rain was important, it was critical to keep their crops healthy and therefore sustain the townspeople's way of life. And as the problem grew more desperate, there was this local pastor, leave it to the preacher, who called a prayer meeting to ask for rain. And the story goes that many people arrived at the church to pray for the needed rain. The pastor greeted most of them as they filed in the door and as he walked to the front of the church to officially begin the prayer meeting, he noticed most people were chatting across the aisles and socializing with friends, hugging each other and all that good stuff because it was pre-Rona, right? Somebody say amen. It was pre-Rona. We hugged pre-Rona. But anyway, when he reached the front of the building, his thoughts were to quiet down those that were in attendance and to start the meeting. When he finally got everybody's attention... To their surprise, he just abruptly dismissed the service. The farmers began to murmur and to complain and to protest loudly until finally 
the preacher said this. You said you were here to pray for rain. But not one single one of you brought an umbrella. Now, I'm going to lay this up here and I want you to let the implications. I'll revisit the umbrella a little later on in the message. But I want you to let the implications of that story sink in as we read our text again in Psalms chapter 77 verse 14. You are the God of miracles. Now I want to ask you again this morning, is there anybody in the house that believes He is the God of miracles? You are the God of miracles. You display your power among the peoples. This text here today emphasizes what we find as we read the Old to the New Testament. As we read the Bible, we are confronted with the reality of miracles. Every page seems to be filled with supernatural interventions in daily life, in people's daily lives. Instance after instance where God showed people His power. That's recorded in the Bible. Instance after instance where He verified and validated His own Son on earth through what? Miracles, signs, and wonders in the ministry of Jesus. And as many of the songs that we sing now, like the one that they sang this morning, when you walk into the room, sickness starts to vanish. Hopeless situations, they cease to exist. Those kinds of songs that we sing now that seem to constantly either uh, assert the need for or request uh, a miracle. And so in this book that I think sometimes we take way too lightly, this book that we are supposed to pattern our lives after, this book that we are supposed to base our belief system upon, and in the songs that we sing in which we express our worship and we express our needs, just like the song, Sometimes It Takes a Mountain, we express our needs and we express our feelings in all of those things, in the Word and in our worship, we are clear on miracles. Yet it seems to me that miracles sometimes get messy when it comes down to our own personal situation or circumstance. Miracles get messy because oftentimes we gather as we are here today and or maybe as you're gathered online. I think this pandemic has taught us something about gathering. There are people that are just as much with us here today almost as if they were physically in the building. So we've learned something about gathering. But too many times we gather as we are gathering today and it seems more like we gather to inform Jesus than we do to involve Him. We gather more to inform Him than we do to involve Him. And I want us to learn some things today about involving Him in our midst. And in order to do that, as I began to type this message out, I wrote down three sentences. I'm not much of a point preacher, but I wrote down three sentences around which this entire message uh, is, is built. So if you take notes this morning, first of all, the first statement that I want to make is this. You need to believe in miracles before you need one. Thank you. Somebody's helping me. I said, you need to believe in miracles before you need one. You see, waiting to believe in miracles until you need a miracle 
is like trying to put a roof on your house when it's pouring the rain. Waiting to believe in miracles until you need a miracle is like trying to put air in a tire that needs a plug. It's just going in and going right back out. It doesn't work very well. You are already late if you don't believe. You're already late if you don't believe. Now, I know that some of you may say, uh, I can do life all by myself. I can handle this by myself. I don't need anybody else. I, I, can, I can do this by myself. All I know to say to you is good luck. Because I've tried that. It don't work very well, does it? I think that those of us who have lived long enough know that there will be times in your life when you need and require divine intervention that only comes from God. And you'd better learn before you lose out. You'd better learn to believe in miracles before you need one. And then again, the, on the flip side of that, too many of us want to be skeptical of miracles until we're in desperate need of one for ourselves. Can I remind you this morning that it was the religious people in Jesus' day, the religious people in Jesus' day who were skeptical of the miracles. The scribes, the Pharisees, and then the Sadducees. And the Sadducees actually were known for their uh, skepticism of miracles. Now here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that that skepticism has crept into the church as we know it. Somebody help me preach this morning. And we have become, I know, I know you're not going to like it when I say this, but a lot of churches have become full of modern day Sadducees. We have become skeptical and suspicious until we need a miracle. I want to tell you something this morning. We better figure out that we believe in miracles before the time comes that we need a miracle. I hesitate to even say this, but I, I said it in the 845 service, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you all today. I didn't put it in my notes because sometimes I try to, to not talk about it because of the reality of it, and somebody always wants to know, so don't ask me. I'm not going to tell you. If you figure it out on your own, keep it to yourself. Thank you, please and thank you. But anyway, uh, there were several years ago that I, I'm not a preacher that calls people out to pray for them. That's not something that I make a habit of doing. And there were several years ago that I was serving uh, in a staff position in a church. I was not the pastor. And there was a man in the church who had stage 4 cancer and had been given a matter of months to live. And during the service, I felt led during the altar call to go to him and ask him if it was okay if we anointed him and prayed over him. Because see, somewhere along the lines, after the Lord called me to preach, I guess I just became foolish enough to believe what James wrote when he said, Is there any sick among you? If there is, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. I'm just crazy enough to believe what the Scripture said. Not the prayer of doubt. Not the prayer of disbelief. Not the prayer of misunderstanding. But the prayer of faith. The believing prayer of the believer shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. That's not what I said. That's what the Word of God said. I'm just crazy enough to believe that. And so... 
We did that. We anointed with oil and we prayed. And after the service was over, somebody in authority over me came to me and said, don't ever do that again. I said, I I don't understand. Don't ever do that again. I'm sorry, do, do what? Don't ever call somebody out like that and pray for them again. I said, why? You're giving that man false hope. I said, false hope. False hope? Well, the word says, and I thought, how do I, how do I remain under submission to a man but not compromise the word of God? I said, well, I'm sorry. I thought the word said in James, if there's any sick among you, and I know he's sick, let them call for the elders of the church. I know he didn't come up on his own, but I asked him if it was okay, and he said absolutely. And let them uh, let gather the elders of the church, which we did, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil, which we did. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. I'm sorry, but I just thought that was in there for a reason, and that we're supposed to do that. And not only are we supposed to do that, we're supposed to believe that when we do that, the God of, that performs miracles will hear and will answer our prayer. That didn't work too well for me. But let me tell you this. I was blessed to see the man that was told he had six months or less to live. The cancer, I report to you, never left his body. But he lived over seven and a half years walking around, going to church, worshiping the Lord. Do do you believe that that's just coincidence? You can if you want to. I believe the hand of God reached down and touched his life and touched his body. You don't walk around with stage four cancer and be told you have no time to live and live seven and a half years and serve and worship God unless the God of miracles has touched you. And that's the way it is in the church today. We're skeptical and suspicious of miracles. But I want to tell you something. You'd better be convinced. I said you'd better be convinced. Because you'll walk differently when you've already been convinced. You won't question God's provision, His ability, or His power if you are convinced. You won't doubt If you are convinced. Do you know what convinced means this morning? You won't back up from the giant if you are convinced. It's time to believe the proof that has already been provided that you serve a God of miracles. Now I would venture to say in a crowd this size that there are people that are seated here today that uh, can identify a time in your life when the God of miracles performed a miracle in your life. If you think hard enough, you will think of a time when the God of miracles reached down and touched your life. It's not that hard for me. See, 13, almost 14 years ago, I know you've heard the story before, but I had a massive blood clot 
in my left leg. They discovered I had a blood clotting disorder. I have on size 36 jeans this morning, and my left leg swelled to, I think I misstated this in the first service because I used to wear a size 38, and I've lost a little weight. Thank you, Jesus. And But anyway, I, I misstated. My leg was not 38 inches in diameter, but it was 36 inches. I'm wearing size 36 around the waist jeans. My left leg was 36 inches in diameter at the top when they flew me to Lexington from a massive blood clot and a blood clotting disorder. They told me before I left London on the helicopter, if you live, you'll lose your leg. Then when I got to Lexington, they told me, you have cancer in your body. We just got to find it. They told me that uh, you're going to lose. We'll have to amputate this leg. But I'm telling you what, this morning, I know that I have the proof that I serve the God of miracles. Not only did I keep my leg, but then the blood flows through it like it's supposed to. And it's the same color as the right leg, which they told me it would never be. It's the same size. They're both fat. Hallelujah. But it's the same size as my right leg. But I'm telling you this morning, I serve a God of miracles. I know you can't you can't make me doubt. You can't make me question. And if you'll think about it, you'll realize, oh, you'll realize a time in your life when the God of miracles reached down and did what only the God of miracles could do for you but God but God we didn't know until Friday that Dennis Cooper had a hole in his spine now think about this that has been one centimeter by a centimeter and a half they knew in the other surgery that it happened and they tried to repair it and told nobody was not repaired and he was leaking a hundred and 20 cc's of spinal fluid, for those of you that are medical this morning, a day out of his body. 120 cc's since his surgery five weeks ago. It could have, and by all medical knowledge, should have been much worse. But God. The doctor came out and said, I don't even know why he's still with you. We do. But God, he came out and said, I don't even know how I don't even know how he's made it this far. We do. But God, see, sometimes you got to get past the mess in your life to see the miracle. Sometimes you got to get past the mess to see the miracle. Others I could mention that had and you may know somebody like this, that they had one bad thing that happened that caused them to seek medical attention that they would not have otherwise sought, but yet because they sought that medical attention, they discovered something worse than what prompted the inspection to start with, and they're now being treated for that which could have already taken their life had it not been for this that caused them to find that. How many know somebody like that? I know that may sound confusing, but God. See, I remember after I've been released now for several Years I go like once every five years, so I don't have to go back for a while. I went once a year for seven years and saw the, I, I was blessed to have the uh, head of 
of interventional radiology at the University of Kentucky Medical Center who's still there and the head of vascular surgery that together did three uh, surgical procedures on my left leg and every year for one year I, I mean every year for seven years I went back to them on that year anniversary and had a checkup and then after seven years I was told you're going to have to come back for five years and so I did that a couple years ago I got a few more years but I'll never forget sitting down in front of them the first time and them looking at me and telling me you should have lost your leg there's no explanation for how that was able we did the procedures but still in the procedures the blood flow that's there now was not there when we got done with the third procedure there's there I don't we don't know why you didn't lose your leg we don't know why you have you have done so well we don't know why we don't know why we don't know why and I'll never forget how they looked at me like I had two or four heads when I said oh I know how and I know why because I prayed there were people all over the country praying and the God that I serve does miracles and he reached down by his mighty hand you should have seen those two men in that room they were like oh this guy's crazy and now he's going to unleash it on us that's okay you've done come too late to tell me that it was by somebody else's credit it was the God of miracles that reached down and touched my life and God will do the same he'll do the same for you sometimes you got to look past the mess and see the miracle Do you have proof in your life this morning that you've forgotten? Maybe you've overlooked or maybe you've recategorized it, which I'm going to talk about just a little bit. You need to pick that proof back up and you need to believe for miracles again before you need another miracle. Recategorizing, let's talk about that. The second statement I wrote down was we need to stop mislabeling miracles. I think we often conclude that the Bible days were so different from our days because there seems to be miracles recorded on every page. But may I submit to you that perhaps the issue is that we have become so skeptical, so rationally minded, so suspicious and dismissive that we are daily, and I said daily, observing miracles that we simply mislabel. Perhaps... We even mishandle them because we mislabel them. Listen, just because it didn't look like the parting of the Red Sea doesn't mean it wasn't a miracle. Just because it wasn't as dramatic as multiplying the loaves and the fish doesn't mean it wasn't a miracle. Just because it wasn't as show-stopping as turning water into wine or just because it wasn't as jaw-dropping as raising a dead man from a grave doesn't mean that what is happening in your life right now isn't a miracle from a miracle-working God. Now, you may think this is funny, but I'm serious. Are you still married? If you are, that's a miracle. In the day and time that we live... Angie and I are going to celebrate 25, I don't know who's laughing, but Angie and I are going to celebrate 25 years next year. And here's what I'm going to tell you. It's a miracle. Because most everybody that was in our wedding and most all the couples that we were friends with that was in our wedding that got married to each other, they've all but one split. It's a miracle. If you celebrate a milestone like that, are you still sane this morning? You still have your sanity? Some of you do. If you do, though, after all the things that we have to battle in our minds in this life, it's a miracle. Are you still healthy this morning? Were you able to get up and dress yourself and come to the house of God and worship Him? That's a miracle. Are you still afloat? Are you still alive? 
Are you still smiling through the pain and the turmoil in your life? That's miracles. Listen, it was not luck. It is not some coincidence. Too many of us are mislabeling miracles, so we miss the miracle in our life. Here's a great example. You're not infected with COVID yet? Surely I hope every one of you can raise your hand about that. But if you're not infected with COVID yet, we mislabel that. Oh, I've been staying home. I've been wearing my mask. I've been being cautious. No, it's a miracle. Did you hear me? The virus is very real and it's very much out there. You don't know who handled your mail this week. You don't know who touched the gas pump before you got your gas. You don't know who took your credit or debit card when you paid. Miracle. It was a miracle you didn't get it. I know, I know you're doing the click list and picking up your groceries that way or the pickup list and going to Walmart, but what you didn't know was that the employee who did your shopping and then put your groceries in your vehicle had COVID and they didn't know it. But you didn't get it. Guess why? It's a miracle. You may say, Pastor, you're going a little overboard there. Let me tell you something. Back in July, we went to Dolphin Island, Alabama. Because we rented a condo, we couldn't get our money back because the beach was open. So we rented a condo there, so we decided to go on. We put, I don't know if you all made any game plans if you vacationed this year, but we got our game plan together. We said, okay, we're click listing our groceries. We're going to, you get two times to eat out all week long. We're going to eat out twice. We're all wearing masks when we go eat to the table until the food comes. I mean, we just went, we made these extreme plans. We're just going out twice. We're going to eat at the condo the rest of the time. We're staying away from people. We're, get, we're staying six feet from people. Listen, we got in that condo. I bet you we went through two or three jars of these things before we let anybody sit down. We wiped down the doorknobs, the faucet, the couch, everything you could think of. We wiped it down. We was all kinds of careful. And praise the Lord, all of us come home, none of us had COVID. But let me tell you something. We picked up our groceries at the Mobile, Alabama, Walmart. That was when we got there. The day we came home, we, we read the news that they were closing the Mobile, Alabama, Walmart because an outbreak of COVID amongst the employees. Who you think did our grocery shopping and carried our groceries to our car? The people that work at Walmart. Miracle. You may not count it as a miracle. I count it as a miracle. We ate out only twice. On Tuesday night, we ate out at the local seafood restaurant there. Man, it was really good. On Thursday morning, they posted on there. You know how you do. You went there. It was good. You liked their Facebook page. You got some kind of discount on your appetizer for doing that while you was there. Well, congratulations for doing that. On Thursday morning, your news feed says, we apologize to all of our local patrons and, and those that are, are tourists that have eaten here this week. Because if you've eaten here this week, you've been exposed to COVID-19. Well, nobody in our party came home with COVID. Miracle. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we need to learn to perceive correctly. And if we would learn to perceive correctly, then we might label it correctly. Uh, I want to tell you something. It's not good luck for you. The planets didn't just line up. Your ship didn't just come in. You didn't just get dealt the right cards. No. If there's been anything good for you, it's because God showed up. It's because the divine interrupted the natural and He ordered your steps and the steps of others. It's because He shifted and
and he thwarted the plans of the enemy against you. He shifted and thwarted the plans of the enemy against his church. He turned some things around and he turned some things aside. He protected you with that prayer of Jabez, hand of protection, when you didn't even realize that his hand was overshadowing your life. When you didn't even recognize it. Miracles happen every single day and we miss them simply because of our own skepticism and it causes us to mislabel. And while I'm there, this doesn't cost you anything. Let me just add, when you put your prayer request on social media and you ask for prayers and good vibes, ain't no people of God need to be asking for good vibes. Good vibes ain't going to do a single thing for you. I'll tell you the only kind of good vibe you need. The good vibe that you need is when somebody who believes fully in God and His Spirit and how He operates gets in their prayer closet and prays until they shake heaven and heaven shakes them. That's the kind of good vibe that you need in your life. Good vibes won't get you anywhere. But when you grab hold of the horns of the altar and you pray to the God of miracles in faith believing that He'll do it, you stand back and watch and see what God will do in your life. We mislabel and so we misappropriate praise. We we want to praise social distancing. We want to praise our employer. Maybe not even if we're not talking about the virus. Maybe we, from, for some other reason, we want to praise our physician, the doctor. We, we want to praise our counselor. Listen, if we get the label right, we'll get the praise right. I said if we get the label right, we'll get the praise right. All praise. All thanks. All appreciation, all honor, all credit belongs to the God who performs miracles. Some of you need to go back and reappropriate the praise in your life. You might need to go back to your boss. You might need to go back to your doctor. I'm telling you, they looked at me like I had four heads. You might need to go back to your friend and say, Hey, I appreciate everything you did, but I'm sorry. I think I gave you too much credit. Every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above. I said every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above. I misappropriated the praise and I need to reallocate God's portion to Him. I just wondered this morning, when I put this in my notes, I thought, ah, nah, don't do that, but I couldn't help it. It, it, uh, it, it went over well at the 845 service, we'll see. But is there anybody in this Pentecostal church today that would like to join me? I know this might sound awkward, but you'd like to join me and just take about a 10 second praise break and, and reallocate some praise in your life just to make sure that you give credit to whom credit is due. Is there anybody sitting there today that'll stand to your feet and say, God, I'm sorry that I was so busy looking at the mess that I failed to see the miracle. Is there anybody that'll stand to your feet and say, God, I thank you that I saw your hand. I acknowledge your protection. I praise you for your faithfulness in my life. Is there anybody this morning that'll join your pastor and take about a 10-second praise break, stand to your feet and clap your hands and say, God, we thank you. God, we praise you. God, we glorify you. We thank you for your hand in our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, praise Him. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. You are the God of miracles. 
You are the God of miracles. We worship you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. See, the third thing I want to share with you. Let me stop before I say this. Don't you ever doubt for one second God just honored that praise. Somebody just thought, oh, what was that for? That didn't do anything. I'll tell you what that was for. That was for God to see you acknowledge Him for what He's already done. Because when you acknowledge Him for what He's already done, you'll position yourself to be in place for Him to do what He's going to do. Did you hear me? Don't never discount giving praise to God. Thirdly this morning, miracles are manifested in the messy areas of our life. We'll say that again. Miracles are manifested in the messy areas of our lives. When I was typing this message, I thought I, I can't preach the whole Bible in a sermon. I mean, I don't know. I may have to do a series or something on this. But, um, and I, if the Lord directs me, I will. But if not, I want us to, to just quickly think through the landscape of the Bible this morning for just a moment. And I want you to, in your mind's eye, I want you to get a vision and see the people running for their lives from a madman mad named Pharaoh in the book of Exodus. They were fearful and they were running for their lives. And then I want you to see those same people, after God delivered them, they were in the desert and they were literally dying of starvation and thirst. But God caused manna to rain down from heaven. I want you in your mind's eye to get a vision of a boy of really small stature by the name of David who was on the battlefield and he was outsized and overmatched by his opponent. I want you to get a vision of the ministry of Jesus when right in the middle of a funeral procession of a widow's son from the city of Nain, Jesus walked up to that casket and said, I say unto thee, arise. And the boy rose up. It wasn't at the hospital. It wasn't sick at home. It was right in the middle of the funeral procession. I want you to get a vision in your mind's eye and recall the people, at least four different demographics that I can think of, who had been sick with something for 12 years or 18 years or like the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, 38 years, or others that had been sick since birth until they got in the presence of Jesus. I want you to remember and get a vision of the hungry crowd of 5,000 men not counting women and children who had made a long journey to hear Jesus preach the word only to get there and discover that there was not enough food to go around but they were hungry from the journey until Jesus got a hold of the five loaves and the two fishes I want you to get a vision of the, the embarrassment that must have been on the face of the wedding host who was embarrassed due to a lack of wine at the wedding party and what he needed was wine to go around to the guest but all he had was water until it got in the hands of Jesus what took place after every one of these things miracles I said what took place after every one of these things help me miracles see perfection is not the platform for miracles it never was problems are Problems are the platforms for miracles. Is there anybody besides me that's living in the real world up in here this morning? Anybody? I'm living in the real world. 
You don't need a miracle unless you're in a crisis, unless you're in trouble. But the impossible is the arena for miracles. The impossible is the arena for miracles. Miracles show up when things are messy. So if things are messy in your life this morning, be encouraged. That means you qualify for a miracle. See, a lot of us want miracles, and I'm almost done. But we don't want to be in or go through anything that would require a miracle. We want to witness miracles, but we don't want to be in or go through anything that requires a miracle. In fact, many times we fight our way. Praise the Lord. We fight our way out of the very situation that was the platform on which a miracle was going to be presented. Let me say that again. I want you to get that. Many times we fight our way in ourselves out of a situation that was just the platform through which God was getting ready to present a miracle. In fact, we... we Realize that if we can't get out of it, then we'll allow the circumstance to make us so bitter, you won't help me preach that, or so angry about it that we're no longer positioned to receive a miracle. So you can get so bitter and so angry that you're no longer positioned to receive a miracle. But I'm glad this morning that one of the prerequisites for uh, a miracle is failure. There's no need for a miracle when there's not a problem. There's no need for a miracle if you have a problem that you can fix. Some of us don't receive a miracle because we simply don't think we need one. We're convinced we can do this by ourselves. We got this. We're tough. We can do it. We got to get to the place in our messy areas where we come to grips with the fact that, just like I preached a few weeks ago on Peter, I can't step on that water by myself. I don't know how I'm going to replenish the wine for this wedding celebration. I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it in myself. We, we need to get to the place. I know some of you may say I can't suffer at the hands of another doctor. No, you can't. But I'm reminded of the woman who had been sick for many, many years. The Bible said she had tried many physicians, and yet she grew worse. So what she did was she made up her mind, I can't suffer at the hand of another doctor, but I, I know there's going to be a big crowd. I know there's going to be a lot of people gathered, but if I just, even if I have to crawl on my hands and knees, if I can just press my way through that crowd, if I can just get to, to where I can just reach and touch, oh, I don't have to touch his whole body, just get me close enough that I can touch the hem of his garment because I know when I touch him virtue will flow Woo, Hallelujah! virtue will flow out of him and into me if I can just touch him so what I'm telling you this morning is whatever he says to do do it when we come to the end of ourselves we're positioned for his power to be displayed Expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. So I have a question for you this morning. Do you believe that He can do it? Do you really believe that He can do it? I didn't say the doctor. I didn't say the lawyer. I didn't say the counselor. I didn't say the drug or the treatment. I said, do you really believe that He can do it this morning? 
Some miracles are messy. Some marriages aren't beautiful until they've lived through the ugly. Some businesses fail before they succeed. Ask Walt Disney. Look up how many times he filed bankruptcy. I don't think any of his family has financial problems today. Some businesses fail before they succeed. Some dreams die before they thrive. I want to tell you something this morning. If you didn't hear anything else I said, you hear me when I say this. But if you give up in the mess, you'll never see the miracle. If you give up in the mess, you'll never see the miracle. Every miracle was birthed in a messy season, in a situation first. Sometimes we get tired of the mess, but just listen to your preacher this morning. Just hold on. Sometimes we get weary in waiting, but can I encourage you to just keep waiting? Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31 says this, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In almost every other translation, that's the King James, but besides the King James, almost every other translation, when you look at that word wait, it is interpreted or translated trust in instead of wait upon. So I want us to plug that in this morning, and I want you to read that again and think about it. But they that trust in the Lord shall renew their strength. In order to trust something, you've got to believe in it first. But they that trust in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So I'm going to ask you again, do you really believe that He can do it? Do you trust Him? If you can learn to trust in the mess, you'll be positioned to see the miracle. As they come to the music this morning, I have some questions to ask you. Is the storm in your life overwhelming you? See, when the disciples were in the middle of the storm and scared for their lives, Jesus got up and performed a miracle. Does it seem that you've been toiling all night and you're not getting anywhere? That happened to the disciples too. But Jesus got up and he said, Boys, if you'll drop that net on the other side of the boat, watch me perform a miracle. Sickness or disease attacking your body? I want to tell you something. I've not seen anything too hard for Jesus yet. I said, I've not seen any. Oh, I know people that should have died years ago, but God. I know people that should be six foot under already, but God. I've not seen anything that's too difficult for God yet. I don't believe I ever will. Dwight preached on it last week. The man with the withered hand. Miracle. The leper in the Bible. Miracle. The lame man by the gate. And also the one that they let down through the roof. Miracles. Blind Bartimaeus. Miracle. The woman with the issue of blood, miracle. Peter's mother-in-law. A lot of people don't even like their mother-in-law. I love my mother-in-law. Some of you got monster-in-laws. I got a mother-in-law. But Peter's mother-in-law, miracle. The paralytic laying by the pool of Bethesda, miracle. Can I tell you whatever you need in your life this morning is no match for the God of miracles. He's able. Miracles are being prepared right in the middle of your mess. Sometimes you 
get angry about the very thing that's preparing you for his provision. Sometimes you allow yourself to get bitter about what could be your doorway to being blessed. Listen, church, listen, listen. Don't get mad at the mess. Don't worry about the wait because every minute that you wait, you're one minute closer. Every day that you trust, you're one day closer. Every week, or even if it's a year, every year that goes by, you're one year closer to your miracle. But can we do something? Can we do more than just ask for miracles? Can we show up expecting miracles to take place? I'm not just talking about in the church. I'm talking about when you get down in your prayer closet at home, and I hope you have one, that when you get down, you get down expecting miracles to take place. If you're praying for rain, start carrying your umbrella and get ready for it. I believe some of you this morning have some things that you need to take to God. and You need to, you need to believe for a miracle. You need to bring them to God. And you need to believe for a miracle. When you pray and believe, get ready and stay ready. Even if you have to wait. Don't stop believing while you wait. Keep holding your umbrella because it's about to rain. I said keep holding your umbrella because it's about to rain. If you'll stand with me all over the house, I want to share one story with you as I close today. try to summarize it as quickly as possible but those of you that know me well know but many of you don't know my mother had a massive stroke when she was 49 years old Angie and I it was 1997 we had built our first house and we had moved in and we were in the yard in the middle of July sowing grass in our front yard when we got the phone call she had a massive stroke and a cerebral hemorrhage she laid in the hospital in a coma for four days they drilled a hole in her skull to relieve the pressure in the blood over a four days period of time they drained over three liters of blood off of her brain all four days that she laid in a coma they asked us over and over again to unplug her pull the plug our lives just kind of abruptly stopped it was nothing but that for three solid days I slept in a chair at the hospital University of Kentucky Medical Center and on the fourth day I decided to go home and take a shower and Angie and I drove back to Corbin and I got home and I was a full-fledged believer I had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit many years prior when I was 16 years old I believed fully wholeheartedly in speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance I believed in the word of knowledge and a word of prophecy and I believed in all of those things but I was human, and I came home to take a shower and to go back to the hospital. My telephone rang. I answered the phone on the wall in the kitchen. It was a lady by the name of Sister Eva Mitchell, wonderful, saintly lady, still, still alive today. When I answered the phone and put the phone to my ear, she was speaking in tongues. I'm just going to be real with you because I'm human, and I was exhausted, and I was worn out, and I was a full-fledged believer, but my immediate thought was, I, I'm numb I don't have time for this right now 
Not good, I know, but that was my thought. I, I, I don't have time for this right now. I just stood there with the phone to my ear and I listened. But the more I listened, the more I knew God was dealing with her. And she said she had no idea if we had come home, that she would catch us there, how long we'd stayed at the hospital. She didn't have a clue. But she said, the Lord told me to tell you to get back to the hospital. He's about to wake your mama up. And I got off the phone and I told Angie, I said, we got to hurry. We got to go to the hospital. We got to the hospital, drove back to Lexington, walked in the room, and the nurse said, your mama's awake. She's out of her coma. Now listen, it was a long road to recovery. But, I mean, several months, Cardinal Hill Rehabilitation Hospital and all of that. But they told us that even if she survived, she would be a vegetable. Wrong. Even if she survived, she'd never dress herself. She'd never go back to work. She'd never drive a motor vehicle. She'd never tie her own shoes. She'd never control her own bowels or her bladder. Wrong, 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 wrong. It was a long road to recovery. But I watched as God healed and restored my mother. And for 10 years, she drove a car. She dressed herself. She worked her job. She never lived to retirement. She worked her job for the next 10 years. She did everything that they said. She defied everything the devil said she wouldn't do. Because the God of miracles touched her that day. Had we unplugged her, she'd have never lived another 10 years. But the God of miracles, we waited and trusted in the God of miracles, and he touched her that day. So that's that. I want to get to the umbrella. She had a few things, permanent damage, that, that she retained from that. She, one of them was short-term memory loss. She couldn't tell you today what she had for lunch yesterday. But wait until next Saturday, and she'll tell you about the lunch that she went out to with her friend and where they went and what they ate. It was short-term memory loss. We got used to it. Her personality changed. She was a lot more high-strung and easily aggravated and would tell you straight up in a New York second what she thought before the stroke and after the stroke, like she was so mellow, like anything goes, you can't make me mad. That part was wonderful. We just couldn't, I mean, we didn't make her mad. At them. There was, you couldn't make her mad. That was another change. We got used to those things. There were changes. But, and I'm going to try to tell this without crying, but I was sitting on the couch yesterday, and that story that I opened the service with, the Lord began to remind me one of the permanent changes that she had. My wrist is too big, but... After that stroke and after she went through therapy and regained everything, one of the things that she did that she never changed was every time she left from anywhere, her house, her, her job, anything, it did not matter, she carried an umbrella all the way up on her wrist. I can't get this one on mine, but she carried it all the way up on her wrist just like this. Rain or shine, snow or 110 degrees and not a cloud in the sky, she carried her umbrella on her wrist. We tried to get her not to, but... She left the house every day. If she came to visit us, she carried it in the house and she laid it down. She never forgot it when she left. She took an umbrella with her everywhere she went for 10 solid years. And I thought, I began to think about that and I thought, Lord, what does that have to do with anything? The Lord said, if my people will believe enough in me to not worry about what the forecast says not worry about what the doctor says not worry about what anybody else says but if they'll just stay ready for rain they'll be ready for the miracle whenever I decide to bring it 
If they'll stop listening, see, it did not matter what the forecast was. My mama didn't care. She still carried that umbrella. If we'll get to the place in our life when we're praying and expecting God to rain down the miracles that we need, that it does not matter that anybody says there's not a cloud in the sky, there's not a snowball's chance on the 4th of July, you're going to get what you need today. Don't worry about what they say. Don't worry about what you see. Don't worry about what it looks like. Just keep hold of your umbrella. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep believing in a God that performs miracles give it to him and watch him bring it to pass so as they sing this morning as they sing this morning if you need a miracle in your life if you need special prayer if you'll put on your mask and come we'll anoint you and we'll pray over you if you just want to spend time in the altar if you don't have a mask we've got them on both sides of the altar if you want to put one on uh, on and spend some time in prayer up here do that but if not while they sing whatever those needs are that are in your life would you just even if you don't want to come forward right there in your seat would you forget about those around you and would you just begin to cry out to the God of miracles this morning